We'd like to extend a heartfelt thank you to our very first podcast sponsor, Ridge Wallets. Ridge Wallets makes minimalist metal wallets that don't take up that much more space in your pocket than a stack of credit cards themselves. That's true, and they are sold in aluminium, carbon fiber, and titanium options. In the interest of transparency uh, for all of the sponsorships, they sent us three sample products over for all three of us to check out. If you want to support the podcast, please go to ridgewallet.com slash D-A-S. They're offering 10% off your first order with worldwide shipping. Please go to ridgewallet slash D-A-S. To support the podcast, we love you. We'll give you a kiss. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Sing, sing. sing. Hello, like... and welcome to the Dad and Sons podcast. <laughs> oh, you didn't want me to jump right in, George? Oh, oh no, no, it's fine. You can, you can, you can jump right into yeah. my stuff anytime. Yeah, whoa, hey, hey, whoa. now, I'm not in Georgia anymore. Why didn't you tell me this when I was in Georgia? <laughs> it sounds funny when you said I'm not in George. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But you know, you know the uh, the struggle, the 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 long distance relationship just makes the little moments we have together that much sweeter. <laughs> long distance relationships suck. <laughs> I'm just letting you know right now. Oh no, no. I can attest. I can attest. No, yeah. Okay. Oh, attest, there we go. So. There we go. <laughs> I have yet to feel such love across such great distances. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a no for me. A strong no. Waiting all week to see your your lady friend or or guy friend. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh. Well, two weeks, man. Two weeks because yeah, because of jobs. Oh. Yeah. It's hard. Oh. It's hard. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I I I know how that feels. Do we uh, do we have a long distance relationship with uh, with you, the listener? I don't know. Is that is that our arrangement? Segways are real. I right feel now. I feel like <laughs> I, I'm pretty close with uh, with our YouTube community. Oh 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 oh. Okay okay. Those guys know. They're, those guys know. How they can know you be that. close and at a long distance at the same time? Now, I mean, do you know their real names? Are they even do real people? Know? They might be bots. Do you know? <laughs> their favorite color, their favorite, I'm gonna you know, guess orange. toppings on a pizza. I mean, everyone's favorite pizza is pepperoni. All right, all right, wait, wait. I What's on pepperoni? that pepperoni? <laughs> Double cheese, pepperoni. Are there pineapple on that pepperoni? I, do, I don't know which way is this going to go. If I say yeah, oh, great. are you going to be angry? Or if I say no, are you going to be angry? Listen, don't try to satisfy my needs. Are you just talking okay. about me? Okay, if we're doing this right now, this is going to cause the greatest argument ever on Dan Sons. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with pineapple on pizza. Good. Yeah. Pineapple's nice, yo. It tastes nice. It's, you know, pizza's great. You're a good person. You're a good. Nice little. The whole yeah. pineapple on pizza debate, I, I don't know why people on the internet get so worked up and mad about it. It's one of those like weird things where where people get incendiarily angry. It's like everyone's fucking grandmother's Italian or something. Like, come on, like you're offending their critical culture. Oh, 
Oh, I'm sorry that that you don't have a very very uh, uh, a basic taste bud receptacle for combining yeah. sweet plus savory and can't enjoy the incredibly uh, 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 common sense delight that is pineapple on pizza. Do you not like sweet and sour chicken as well? Come on. It, it's it's funny because I I went to a bar uh, a couple Ooh. days ago, a whiskey bar, and the guy the guy the the bartender was like an older gentleman. And he just loved whiskey. He knew how it was made. I thought, he knew, like, say, I thought he was going to yeah. say pineapples. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> the, the the girl I was with, like, she loves whiskey, but she like she, she'll have it like straight or whatever. Like, and I am like, no, I like uh, <laughs> I like the fruity stuff, you know. Like, I like it to taste good. And and he was like, well, um, I don't like mixing other things into whiskey like <laughs> i think whiskey should be pure i don't i don't like this modern stuff if you all these people adding too much stuff into it like that's that's the square stuff and i was like whoa i was like okay it's like i'm like oh man you look do you look at me yeah yeah i, I kind of i'm kind of probably what you're talking about <laughs> but yeah he was really uh, yeah, the, like, like yeah. racial purity of, of of the whiskey is is something we're talking no, about no, now. No, more more like hipster vibe. Like he doesn't want any of that that new stuff. You know, old school whiskey guy. And he was cool. He was cool. He was mad cool. He got me a sidecar, which is which was better than the old fashioned and all the other stuff that I tried. This stuff is just too too strong for me. I'm a little I'm a little baby. I'm a little baba. Mm. Yeah, you gotta you 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 want it to like kind of slap you a bit to wake you up. Yeah, it's, it's like drinking coffee black. It reminds you you're doing something poisonous and destructive to your body. So you just sip it a little bit at a time and appreciate the uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the sensations of existence. Yeah, it's the same thing what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, 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 that wasn't meant to be a judge. That's literally it what wasn't. she said. <laughs> wow, okay. okay. Well, video games, right? Guys, yeah. I'm going to be the host of the video games. What have you been playing? <laughs> George, not Liam. We're not starting with Liam this time. Because <laughs> Liam will talk about Pokemon Go for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like the new game with Liam. It's going to be it's going to be stuff that's uh popular right now that's good for the SEO. I'm going to be like a year behind time. So uh I finally got around and almost actually completed season 1 of Castlevania on Netflix. Uh I didn't make it through episode 4. <laughs> doing like an episode a night. For, for a couple nights past week. And I'm actually George living up to his reputation. I I guess. But hey, I gave it a good stop, but I'm I'm making my way there. It's not it's not it's pretty easy making my way there. So I'm first first thought though is that I was actually really surprised at how um let down you guys were by how much oh, talking George, there is don't, in season two. Don't. I think that kind of sorta rejiggered my expectations. There's there's a lot of that in season one. Not like it, no, I no, doubt right. it's as excessive like, no, as you the, guys. The comments last week, I am amazed at like how many comments okay. people were okay. okay with all that talking. Now talking is fine as long as it has substance. And I had a good old argument with someone about this on the, mm. in the YouTube comments. Yeah. There is no substance to the mm. conversations that happen. Hector and Isaac are two 
brand new characters who both have the same motivation for hating humans. They just hate humans because they were magical human users who could do shit that no one else liked. So they fucking just hate humans. Yeah. Uh, I think Isaac had more reason to hate humans than than, uh, Hector. Hector was just like a child. And, and, And she he does get called a child often. Hector was like, I just like m- making dogs. You know, some some people process things differently, and he was just a weak boy. <laughs> just a weak little boy. But, like, I just don't get where anyone thought there was any substance to do with, which is the main overarching part of the story, Alucard and Dracula. Like, where the fuck are you pulling out that storyline out of your ass? Like, where? Where does anything happen that explains or does anything to flesh out the emotional... <laughs> ending of that in that series there there is i mean i can't comment on like how they pull these threads out of their asses but it seems like even for season one the 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 arc isn't about alucard invading dracula's castle i mean i'm still kind of waiting for a tease of that but the uh plot is around like this this corruption scandal involving a church outside of town and it's making me realize that like a good vi- nothing happens with the church in season two. Oh, they just they just forget about it because it's seems like a big deal right now. The guy is dead. The guy is dead. He's he's dead. The the he vicar di- guy dies. or whatever the 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 like pope's speaker whatever he is whatever he's dead. Well, don't try to kill it, like, Alucard, kids. He'll kill you as, back as soon as as soon as he's dead. Like that ch- the whole church scandal stuff just kind of ends. Apart from there's a flashback well, that's three to three or four episodes. Okay. All right, I, I'm like, almost done. Like I'm on the last episode of of this, which is is kind of like yeah. So you've watched you've watched the good episode. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> the good. See, I I feel like like for instance, like the 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 problem I see is uh the development for the three characters. There's not enough time spent on Alucard, and and what was it? Not so selfie. <laughs> Cipher, Cipher, Cipher. Yeah, yeah. Cipher. Cypher and Belmont, like, there's not enough spent on them. So the end where, um, I guess, slight spoilers, where, like, kind of they have this in, impactful line. Alucard has this impactful line. Like, I'm together. Like, it, it, it's, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It just kind of just goes huh. in your ear and it's like, oh. And it comes right out the other side. Yeah, and it, because... They were so busy with the Game of Thrones or Game of Throats, you want to say <laughs> Game of yeah. Throats, little angle here, and yeah, um, it wasn't. It was interesting, but not enough to carry the whole season. But it, like you, like you say the Game of Throats bit right, but it's literally just Godbrand and what's her name, Camilla, talking. The yeah. the other like six vampires who are in there, and I don't know how people keep trying to convince me otherwise. There's six vampires in there. Don't say a word they never talk so it's like you have except for the beginning so you have camellia like scheming and planning behind dracula's back but like she only ever talks to the two humans and one other vampire like her mission isn't really exactly difficult if none of the other vampires are ever involved and it's like she just basically doesn't even have to speak to them to convince them to do shit. It just wows me that people think those like six characters who just stand around in the hall looking as like background extras are like important to the story they're, they're in any doing way. Doing kind of the Star Wars prequel thing where they just stand and talk and 
don't, don't fill even the talk. frame There's up. There's just stills of you watching them. Action. Like they they fight pretty cool. Like they're they're like in uh, like sort of Indian dressed Far East Asian looking one looks fights really cool and stuff. <laughs> uh, what bothered me is that she said she was going to talk to the court. Yeah, and, was, she's, and she never did. And they just <laughs> like every time dying. Dracula comes down the stairs, everyone's in the same spot as always. It's like it's like a school. Like Dracula just makes <laughs> they can't leave that room. And then every time he comes everything down, everything is a little bit inconsistent. And, yeah. and that's that's the that's the word for it. It's the whole thing is inconsistent. Like there's some times where it's like really good. Yeah. You know, like, uh, but then you could, you see that they're stretching, the animes are stretching the fight out just a little bit. There's a little bit of pausing and it just doesn't feel right. And, like they do something real cool. And then all of a sudden he's like waiting. Season one had a few of those mm-hmm. moments, like, 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 like <laughs> Alucard's fighting style. Uh, or wait, no, this is, this is a, a Belmont we're following the, the, the like, Travis. oh, my God, I've been saying Alucard. Uh, anyways, the, tre- the the fighting poses that you see behind Trevor and the monsters like like match up with the games in an interesting way. But it's still, uh, out of these 20-minute episodes, like 20 minutes of stiff anime talking and then five minutes of stiff anime fighting. And and it's still neat. It's still fine. It's still like... The animation in season one was a lot better than season two. Really? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I didn't realize it. Maybe I didn't realize it and I just... But I, I feel like season one fights were pretty solid. They're solid. I rewatched season one maybe a week before season two came out because it's a lot shorter and, and a lot more digestible to get excited for season two. And it was definitely noticeably different. Like they were like, okay, let's pull the production budget into season one and make sure this thing gets greenlit. And then we'll just, you know, try to make milk it as, as milk many it of these as we can. And, and yeah, I'm wondering if, if, expectations might have gotten inflated at some point because like and it's it's it, fine it is weird. i'm having fun i'm not blown I, away i mean though. it is fine it's more disappointing than anything like that's what people i think don't understand about my feelings about it is it's more disappointing than anything you spend a lot of time with trevor in the first season you get to know his feelings about being a vampire hunter and like his being a belmont and all this kind of stuff that's really good which makes the emotional impact of him like trying to help the speakers and cypher and the fight and then when all the like helions and stuff come back you know he rises up and starts fighting even though he obviously doesn't particularly want to and then the payoff of season one is you you know the last episode well the last two episodes you have alucard appear and surprise everyone and you're like fuck yeah it's alucard one of the best castlevania characters of all time and you move to season two and it's just like well alucard doesn't get enough time there's no emotional or any build-up to Alucard and Dracula's relationship whatsoever. Not even flashbacks. Yeah. If I were to do season two, it would definitely be more about the three and Dracula. Yeah. Like, that build-up there to the end. I don't care about some human work. Like They spent so much time with those two humans. Like they, they, they could have done that just, just on the side. And it would, be a, it would be an interesting mystery on the side. Not the main... Like juice, not I, the main course. I'd be you interested know, I, I to see that. like a graph of how much screen time is dedicated to the three compared to the two humans. And and the three for the most part was very interesting to watch. Like there was like a kind of like a 
like the writing was sometimes really human and Belmont's like honesty and everything. It was good. It was good. They definitely relied a little too much on that. He's a vampire. He's a human. Can they get on? Oh, it's a sitcom made yeah. from heaven. In the beginning, it was funny. And then near the library, it started to get real old. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden, Trevor and Cypher are in yeah. love or something. And then Whoa. They're, they're not in love. I don't know. They the just... ending was a bit like, oh, ho, ho. Got kind of a, an ocelot thing yeah. going on. It was a bit too <laughs> full oh. on. Because, like, with Ocelot, it's, like, heavily implied. Oh. It's weird, because I feel like the only person who gets, like, a good arc is actually Dracula. But his... And I don't want to spoil it for George, but, like, his ending is with the wrong character, I think, because there is no emotional payoff whatsoever. Like, it's all centered around his wife. And, yes, Alucard is his son, but there is no flashbacks and there's no scenes in the whole series where Alucard and Dracula are in the same room talking prior to them going to Castlevania. Yeah, that was a, that's a, a sin, I would say. It's really, really bad that they didn't do that. It's almost unforgivable at that point because it, it means nothing. What's the motivation? Exactly. What's the motivation behind it? No, that's not the way you make make shows. <laughs> and like, if Dracula is meant to be like this, you know, beast of a guy, like that, there's like a one scene that George hasn't got to yet, um, uh, where it like is a flashback to when Dracula was a kind of in his heyday, and was like mm. was proper fond of killing people <laughs> and did it in like super inventive yeah. ways and shit. Like it's like I was once like this. Let me describe your time. And like you but have, but he all didn't this... describe his travels either. He didn't describe the travels. Yeah, and it, and it's not you're like, oh yeah, okay. That means Dracula's probably gonna like come back and do some of this crazy shit. But he never does. And like he has this like v- vampire fucking around in his court, which is literally like six people. There's no way she'd get away with it. Just like fucking around with like his two most loyal humans. And yeah. he doesn't do anything about it. It's so, and the guy is it's, strong as hell. It's so the guy weird. is strong as hell. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, it, it, like it's, George, yeah. have you got to the bit with Godbrand and Isaac? Uh, God. I, Godbrand is not ringing a bell. The 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 Viking vampire. Oh no, I don't think so. That's not ringing a bell. Does he show up oh. before season? One episode. George, four. plug plug your ears for a okay, second. Okay. George. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna ask Matt about putting something. Putting my headphones down. Everyone else who's not watched it. What about the listeners? Okay. Wait, 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 wait. I just, I just thought of something. If you're about to do a spoiler alert and people are gonna be looking at the timestamps anyway, uh, maybe now might be a good time for an ad read. Yeah, everyone. Uh, uh, you've got like a five second warning. Five, four, three, two, one. Matt. When Godbrand dies, they literally never say anything again. Like yep. no one, he like throws him off the Where's tower. Godbrand? <laughs> Where's Godbrand? No, 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 Done. no. no <laughs> literally nobody says anything. It's so strange. It's just, it's just like it just Isaac throws him off the tower <laughs> into the wind. <laughs> okay, George, you can come back now. Okay, we're done. Bingo. And he's he's been in so many scenes. <laughs> I know. He's like literally the third main character of the show. Yeah, 
he had his own scene with Dracula. <laughs> like he, he had way too much screen time for that. Uh, okay, bingo. Okay, we, we probably made some people really either hate the oh, show man. or hate us. No, they hate us. Like, if the comments or anything to go by about Castlevania last week, it's the same as the Blizzard Squad. They'll defend that shit until they die. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I guess what I was saying, like, if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. That's, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, if totally you fine. liked it, I'm happy for you because you got enjoyment out of something I wanted to enjoy. You know, I enjoyed yeah. Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild. You and George, different, right? <laughs> it was fine. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's what Castlevania Season 2 is. It's just fine. It's not bad. It's disappointing. It's that old. It's that old adage about parents. It's like I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> George. Is, is oh. George even gonna oh, come back? We, <laughs> I heard. I heard. I heard my name echoing over the hills in the distance. Yeah, you're 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 good now. Yay! I mean, he he probably didn't even go away. He doesn't care about I, the spoilers. I, I had my little like earbud hovered around so I couldn't hear the minutiae, but if there was a long vowel noise like a orge, I knew I'd be able to hear it. Oh, I did say bingo, George, come back. Oh. Well, you didn't. Oh, well. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, um yeah, I don't know. It's Let's like end that. It's good. It's fine. I I I want you I want you to finish watching it first before you make decisions. Okay, on the way there though, could do we how do we think about the the qualifier of whether or not it's the best video game adaptation so far? Well, I mean, that's not a hard thing to well, fucking go by, but I would say it probably is. Season one. Season one definitely is. Uh, Matt, what do you think? Ah! What was the... <laughs> <laughs> Matt, what is the best video game adaptation into television or movie media? Uh... Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> I was about to say. I was about to say. Street Fighter in black and white. That, that Castlevania, Netflix Castlevania, seems like the most on-brand and respectful and, like, seriously produced adaptation I've seen so far. But it does not stand up to the, like, dumb, stupid fun of the bullshit people were making in the 90s. That is, like... Yeah. It was awful to watch during the 90, 90s and during the turn of the millennium, but have since aged into incredibly fun bad movie night movies. I don't know if Castlevania, if like 20 years from now, people are going to be loading up the Castlevania Netflix adaptation with their eyes widened at each other, like giggling, being like, oh, dude, you got to watch the Castlevania Netflix adaptation. <laughs> and and that's that's like... That's so fun to me. I have so much fun with with bad adaptations. Yeah, Castlevania is not bad though. Castlevania is like an adaptation that needs to be taken yeah. seriously because it's good for the most part. Like season one is real good alone, whether it's attached to a property anyway. It's intriguing to watch as an animated cartoon and as a as an adaptation it's it's kind of like cool seeing them think about how to present castlevania as like an actual dark serious matter which is which is cute <laughs> i mean it's good because 
Castlevania is fucking great. I love Castlevania a lot. So I'm happy to see. I want them to do season three. I mean, they've had it renewed. And, you know, we're getting Devil May Cry now by the same people. Yeah, because the jabronis in Hollywood aren't going to fuck it up. <laughs> Everyone thought it was going to be Zelda, but it turns out that it's Devil May Cry. Did you guys hear that quote from the producer who actually used the word jabronis to describe what they didn't want to happen to the Devil May Cry license? Wow. What? Jabronis. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it and I'm gonna get a um direct quote. Do you know what jabronis are, Liam? I, I know what the rock used to say. Oh okay. Oh interesting. So you so in the UK was wrestling big? WWE? Yeah. Thing? I mean WWF was huge. Like I feel like Smackdown. WWE was a changing point in its popularity. It's been pretty consistent. Mm since then but i feel like at the peak when it was like triple h the rock, stone cold steve austin yeah. and yeah and the rock and it was well, WWE. all the names yeah i used to stay up at 4 a.m and watch fucking wrestlemania yeah talking with ign adi shankar also dropped a few entirely excellent and choice quotes about the project making sure to have a proper quack at the complace crack at the complacency of hollywood in the process quote i acquired these devil may cry rights myself so that the jabronis in hollywood don't fuck this one up too <laughs> what a hero. <laughs> he fucked up season two. So. Oh my god. Well, at least they, they, they made season one and got their attention with it. They proved they can do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather, I guess, rather have like a good season one of a Devil May Cry, of another Devil May Cry anime than, uh, and, and, and a mediocre season two than, yeah. than I guess, something really. Yeah, a live action Death Note version. Yeah, for really, really embarrassing and bad. On that same note, as someone who's not. Much of a Death Note fan, Netflix Death Note was a great time. A great giggle, get drunk, laugh at the bad movie. Which means it's garbage. Yes. Which oh, means I it's love garbage. garbage. Oh. oh, man, I love rolling in it. I love smelling it. I don't want to go down this love... hole. This is just depressing. Then let's go to the next game. <laughs> <laughs> Did we even talk about a game yet? <laughs> we talked about a TV show. It was an adaptation of... Of a video game. It's still yeah. a video game topic. I mean, do you count watching Lord of the Rings as reading a book? No. The book is like, spends six pages describing a tree. The movie can at least, like, move on. <laughs> Goddamn, I love those movies. Did you read the books as a kid? They take, like, years. Yeah, they're like, I did. They're careers. And they did take years. They're, f they're enormous. <laughs> careers. <laughs> I, I started reading the first book of Lord of the Rings when I was like halfway through sophomore, and I finally finished the um that 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 Bible. What what the it wasn't called the Illuminati. It wasn't called the Iliad. What was the, the Similarian? I finished that halfway through senior year. That was like two and a half years of. Of having to read Lord of the Rings books to understand what the hell is happening in the Lord of the Rings universe. One of which was like a Bible describing millennia of, of, of history. Anyways. Yeah, no, it's a it's a career. Why are we talking about Lord of the Rings? Maybe we should go, Let's go to the next topic. To the next topic. <laughs> Speaking of adaptations of older properties as we go to to this one. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I wonder what? what places these podcasts will uh will will take us. Where will we go? Um um what 
Let, how about let's go? Let's go. Yes. Come on. Come on, Liam. You can do it. Let's go <laughs> to Civilization what? 6. Oh, my God. Liam, you were... <laughs> You are incredulous no, this morning. No, I don't want to hear about Civ. I don't want to hear about Civ. <laughs> I want to hear Believe about it or Pokemon. not, neither do I, at least for right now. Okay, fine. Okay. I've been playing Pokemon. Ah, yes! Nerd. That dumb kitty game for babies? Yeah, that, that dumb kitty baby, baby game? game that... How do you feel? Everyone seems being, to hate being... that they're review bombing it on Metacritic. Even though everyone I know on Twitter and my fellow podcast co-host friend Liam is playing it and talking about it. I don't know if they're enjoying it. Okay, so... I don't know how to feel. <laughs> You've, like, been reluctant. You have fought the segue into this topic. Because I don't know how to feel about this. <laughs> They're just gonna make it. I've so played good. fifteen hours. What? Ooh, yummy! I got four gym badges. Did you waggle the stick to catch that's, the Pokemon? That's a okay, lot of right. Pokemon okay, okay, into your balls? okay, okay. Let's jump into that because everyone will remember when we had Chris Pratt on. I went on for like a fifteen-minute rant about how bullshit the Pokemon Go inclusion of catching Pokemon was, mm-hmm. and I stand by that. Mm. Okay, mm-hmm. so first off, let's get that off the bat. Yes, I will admit it does seem faster than I the one change I really do like is that you don't random encounter Pokémon anymore. You see them on the map and you can choose to bump into them if you want. I like that a lot. That does actually feel Jeez. better. I used to think like the surprise of what Pokemon you were going to bump into was like if you were looking for a Pokemon specifically in the, the, the like pure elation you'd get if it went and then it it's like it's the fucking Growlithe you've been looking for for like 10 hours or whatever and it pops up. But now when you're looking for a Pokemon in the same area and then all of a sudden it like jumps out of the grass it's still the same sort of elation you're like oh my god there it is there it is and then you like run over to it and bump into it yeah i actually do like that that's a good addition but the pokemon go like way of throwing a pokeball at pokemon is awful (laughs) it's awful because this game is super super relaxing like it's easy it's easier than other pokemon games which then you know how ridiculously easy it is it's incredibly handholdy but it's it is in a relaxing way it's not so i don't want to say it's as patronizing as other pokemon games but there's something very relaxing about it and using one Joy-Con, because you, you only use one Joy-Con. You don't use two. You just use one in one hand, and you can do everything on one Joy-Con. It's like holding a that TV sounds remote. Sounds like a Game Boy game, yeah. But it's great. No, but you don't hold it sideways. You hold it like you would a Joy-Con oh. in your hand. Just like a normal Joy-Con, not sideways. You only use one hand, and then you use the motion, right? And it's not so much that the Pokemon Go 
system is not great. It's not what well, it's not anyway. It's not satisfying in any way, shape, or form. Even when you like get it and it says excellent throw or whatever, it's the fact that the motion controls for this game are dog shit. They don't work at all. Like you are almost always guaranteed that your first throw. The Joy-Con won't be calibrated properly, so the first Pokeball will always, like, fly off to the side oh my God. and is wasted. Do you have to, like, adjust to an in-game strategy of your first Pokeball always failing? Basically, yeah. <laughs> and the problem is, this game's so relaxing, so you sort of slouch back and you get, like, relaxed and you're, like, lying back and you're just roaming through... And then every time, like, like, a Pokemon pops up, you have to, like, sit up and, like, position yourself in front of the TV and, like, straighten your arm. And then you have to, like, get ready to arc the, your throw. Your complaints get... are so weird, Liam. It, like, last time it's like, oh, there's so much to do in Red Dead Redemption. There's so much to do. I don't know what to do is with that myself. that what he but sounds so like? Here is, and then here is just, like... Oh my god, it's so comfortable. Oh, I, no, I no, just, no, no, this is, it's so no, relaxing, no. and I have to sit up to catch a Pokemon. No, 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 because the, 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 we're talking about like a juxtaposition <laughs> of gameplay, right? In Red Dead, you're always at that intensity, right? You're always doing stuff, you're always involved, and you're in the game. Whereas, like, Pokemon fosters this weirdly relaxing gameplay style. It's a relaxing game, it doesn't, it doesn't move at a fast pace. Everyone talks kind of slow. You spend most of the time just walking and talking to people. It's very, very relaxing. But then when the gameplay happens and you bump into Pokemon, and by the way, you catch more Pokemon than you ever have in any other Pokemon game. You just keep bumping into Pokemon, keep throwing Pokeballs, jump out. And, like, it's even so much built like that that you get hundreds of Pokeballs thrown at you by all the NPCs, and you get these things called catch combos where the game encourages you to catch multiple of the same Pokemon for a chance at getting a better version of that Pokemon or a shiny. So you spend half your time switching between this really relaxing gameplay to having to constantly throw a Pokeball that is calibrated terribly. And then when you... You don't have to use the motion controls, though. Yes, you do. Unless you play I, in I handheld. Heard, there is oh. only motion controls. There's only... If you want to play on the TV... Unless you play in handheld. So you would... All you have to do is just so take the, if both you play of the in handheld, then you can. If you play and in put handheld, put it in the little slidey thing and make it a controller, Liam. No, it doesn't work. What one, do you mean? One of the Joy Cons will be off. Will be turned off. It only registers you either using then one Joy Con or the other Joy Con. Why does it only work in handheld mode then? Because in handheld, it uses the gyroscopes because it knows you can't throw the Joy Con. What? So, when when it's in handheld mode, it changes. So you use the gyroscope like you would in Splatoon to aim with like like with the screen, like moving the actual console to aim the reticle, and then right. you press A and it throws the ball at a consistent rate, which works a hundred percent better. But what hmm. doesn't work is when it's in the dark. It knows it's in the dark. And also, the controllers, when they're next to each other, realize how close they are together. Like, when they're in the little, uh, what is it, the puppy puppy holder. What do they Leash. call it? The, the dog. Collar? The, when it's in the, like, the small Switch uh, Joy-Con holder, it looks like a little puppy. Uh, it knows how close they are together, so it knows that it's not 
in handheld mode. So you can't use it in any other way other than with either the Joy-Con singularly, either left or right, depending on what hand you are, or with the Pokeball Plus, which you also have to use a throwing motion for. So there is no other way to play this game other than with motion controls, which are calibrated terribly. People should, everyone should watch Jim Sterling's video on this because he like really goes in hard on the motion controls and explains why they're bad. Because like you've got people who maybe don't have the ability to, you know, ha do throwing motions or have like motor functions that make that kind of thing difficult for them. And this is like a, a game that should be really, really accessible. And there is just no other options than playing in handheld mode if you don't want to do that. And even then in handheld mode, you have to move the screen around physically to mm. aim the reticle to throw out the Pokemon. I'm probably not going to get this game. It's just because of that. I don't. I hate having to do that stuff. Yeah. No, it's, that's why it's I the never worst do part it. of this game. And that's why I don't like Splatoon in that way. Because this is it, worse than Splatoon, because at least with Splatoon, you can use the Pro Controller and you don't have to use the gyroscopes. Splatoon was fine. Yeah, but Splatoon 1 had some weird um, sensitivity issues that it didn't, just didn't feel right yeah. unless you use. Yeah, unless yeah. you use like the gyroscopes. I agree. Like, I agree. Yeah. But this is like, you have no other choice. You either buy the Pokeball Plus accessory, which mm -hmm. I've heard is not great, because to press A... You have to click the actual analog stick in all the time. So imagine if you're like pressing R3 to like confirm everything in a game. So weird. And also you still have to do the throwing motion. And with the Joy-Cons, it is like it works when you like finally you've wasted two Pokeballs. You've, you've calibrated it correctly by standing and sitting up properly. And then you throw in the perfect arc that it wants you to throw. It's like Wii Bowling in reverse constantly. But with the motion, with the with the uh, handheld, the gyroscope works really well. So if you're okay with the the gyroscope way, like if you played Splatoon and stuff, it's fine. It works fine. But the fact that there's just no option to play this game like a normal fucking game with a pro controller or even just the the Joy Cons in the holder, like a normal controller, is really really annoying. It's not good. So for that reason. What about the rest of the game? So the rest of the good? game is actually surprisingly good. <laughs> First off, okay. this game is gorgeous. Like, I have not had a nostalgia hit as hard as when I, like, stepped out into Pallet Town and saw Professor Oak in 3D in vibrant colors for the first time. It was really, really nice. It's, hmm. It is nice. And it is a trip for the nostalgia. Hard like if for, you have for an affinity, me to picture that. If you have any affinity for Pokemon, especially if you're one of those who's a Gen Oneer who doesn't doesn't realize that Gold and Silver are the best games in the series, but you like Gen One, <laughs> you will love it. It's gorgeous, and the Pokemon look amazing. Like it's so exciting. Like when you see them pop out in the grass. I really like that change, and I didn't think I would, but the fact that you see, like, I was, like, roaming around in um, Viridian Forest, and, like, a Butterfree popped out, and he was, like, big, and he was, like, floating, and he had pollen trailing behind him, and I was like, oh, shit, it's a Butterfree, and ran into him, and, ah, oh, it was so good, and then when you start, 
like when it gets into the game a bit more and you start seeing Pokemon that are a lot bigger, like Onyx and stuff like that, Onyx is huge. And it's really cool because when you're battling, you have like a tiny Oddish versus a giant Onyx and the camera is like panning between the two different sizes. It's really, really cool. So in that regard, it's like excellent for nostalgia. And part of the reason I think everyone's enjoying it so much, especially on Twitter, is it is really nice in that kind of way. Not in like a cheap trying to basically sell you on its history. It definitely is a game made to introduce people who got into Pokemon through Pokemon Go to play this game. It doesn't it doesn't do too much to be like, haha, remember this? You loved this when 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But it has a lot of like the the charm of Pokemon in it. There is a lot of charm in this game. It is gorgeous to look at. Everything is really, really nice. That's interesting because when I first saw Let It Go, I, I thought it, it was go. like a spin-off game. Um, <laughs> no, that's that's what Liam that's what Liam has on the dock. Yeah, I wrote Pokemon Let It Go. <laughs> let it go. <laughs> Pokemon Let It Go. Because you always have to uh, let go of your first poke- Pokeball because it will never land. Oh. Let go of that nostalgia. Oh. Uh, it, I think it was marketed r- wrong because I thought it was a kids game. I thought it, w- w- it basically I is a kids game. I still think but, it is. Like, it's more than the other games in the series, too. Like, mm. this is how... This is, like... I don't know if it's just the old man in me here, but when you go into gyms now, it won't let you even face the gym leader unless you have a type advantage over that gym leader. No. So when you go and face Brock for the first time, it's like, I can't let you in here unless you have this Pokemon type or this Pokemon type. How does that gym work? And then then you go to the second gym and it's like, (laughs) you can't come into this gym unless you have Pokemon over level 12. You can't. So there is a lot of like damage control. Yeah, the gym leaders are like, I'm not going to let you fight me unless you're advantaged to win. Yeah, don't you remember when you were a kid and you were, like, banging your head against, like, Onyx for ages with Squirtle? And, not, and, well, and, wait, and you right. look it up and you talk to the other kids. No. And... I mean Charmander, and you're like, oh, why, is that, why can't I beat him? And you, f- you f- figure it out, I guess, with with a little there's more, a lot a little of more work there's a lot involved of like, somehow. There's a lot of, like, characters asking, do you know where things are? And they will uh, automatically take you there. That sounds so patronizing. Like, hey, do you remember the Diglett Cave? Like, do you remember where it is? I can take oh. you there, and they'll just, like, take you right straight but there and put you on the The type advantage the for the gym thing, like, that sounds like it would make it too easy almost. Like, less easy to be interest- interesting. Yeah, no, that that's that's exactly the I, point. I don't understand. Did people have a trouble before? Did kids have trouble before? Because kids, kids no. these days are pretty smart. Like, no, I the don't internet think they has did. made these kids, like, ridiculous. I don't think they did. I think everyone is just... I think everyone at the Pokemon Company is assuming that they needed to dumb it down a little bit. I hate seeing shit dumbed huh. down for kids. Because the stuff that like seems so popular with kids, stuff like, like I, I don't know, Minecraft, for example, like seems engineered to take advantage of, of, of like yeah. curiosity okay, and like, learning, not best... enforcing it or like patronizing yeah, it. Yeah, this is the best way I can think about it, is this game is very much like Pokemon Go in the sense that the emphasis of this game is to catch Pokemon. It's not to battle them. 
it's to catch them. It's to fill out the Pokedex. Because, you know, Pokemon Go, apart from, like, the gyms initially, you couldn't do any battling. It was just all about mm -hmm. catching. It was all about going out in the world, and it was all about throwing Pokeballs and berries at Pokemon and catching them. That's what this game is all about. Apart from trainer battles, which are, as you can imagine, really easy... You get, like, the first three starters of the game within the first six hours. Like, you get Charmander, Squirtle, and Ivasaur just by catching Pokemon. And then people just give them to you. So you cover all bases. You've got a Fire-type, you've got a Water-type, you've got a Grass-type, you've got an Electric-type. You know, you cover all bases. And then the trainers are pretty easy. Because your Pokemon all get experience when you catch other Pokemon. And if you're catching lots and lots of Pokemon like the game wants you to... Your Pokemon become pretty high level pretty quickly. That's almost a mm. fundamentally different dynamic from the Game Boy games, where the like contest was yeah, I optimizing think it is. Like, a small team out of all the Pokemon you're capturing. Well, it wasn't even that. It was like it was made so the link cables were like your key to filling out yeah. Pokedex. It was like you worked as a team to find Pokemon because it was really and, hard and, and there was no information. Like, for, and people worked together. Like, do you yeah. have this? Do you have this? I can't find this. Whereas this game, it's like. Finding I've YouTube? seen like oh most outlets like IGN and like Game Explain and uh, they those guys had already filled up the Pokedex before release. Like they got all 151 Pokemon. They were able to make videos about it because with this game it's not too difficult. And I'm wondering to get what that dopamine fill out the Pokedex. I mean, I'm already like. at like 75, I think. Shit, that's as much as I had when I like finished the games as a kid. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely a lot easier to catch Pokemon in this one, especially with the new mechanic. Yeah, the, the dopamine hit as a kid came from, like, a few hours, if not days, after catching them when you saw them, like, defeat the Elite Four easily. Yeah. Like, you remember catching Abra? Like, yeah. in the beginning? That guy fucking that was like, all the time. He kept teleporting away, yeah. and you're like, son of a bitch! And... And then when you finally catch it, you're like, yes. And, and now it's... Yes, yes, yes. A psychic Pokemon early on. Checkbox on a table. It is, oh. like... It, I, I, it's kind of like, you know, trophies in Smash Brothers? It's kind of why I like it. Mm. Because it is almost like you're just taking a really long walk and picking up figures Things of from Pokemon as you go along. <laughs> you're just bending down. Like you're Your like, back kind of cracks you're like, a bit. Oh, shit. A oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, a 3D model of Mr. Mime. You're, you're, and you like run into him and he's there and he's doing all his miming things. You're like, oh you're, my god, little, I remember like, when you were a 12-year-old Pokemon then, trainer kid just shrugs, sighs, bends over, you hear bones cracking in their back. They get a little dirty figure <laughs> oh from the god. sidewalk, crusted in, in dirt, and just yeah. throw it in the backpack. <laughs> Uh, so basically, Pokemon. If you like nostalgia, and no one will convince me that not seeing 3D models of like the original 151 isn't cool because it really is. It is an enjoyable experience. The game is. It is relaxing. Like that's the kind of only way I can describe it. You're just taking a jaunt down memory lane almost. Do you think kids are gonna? Like I see that? why people like, like it. Like, uh, well, what about kids um, who don't get the nostalgia though? I don't know. Are there any kids out there right now who haven't played Pokemon before, who have played Pokemon Go first? Maybe not the Gen know. 1 Pokemon, but Pokemon's always been popular with kids, but this this is yeah, that's going what I mean. way back. Like, this is this is kind of why like, I think this game's probably going to sell more to nostalgia than anything yeah. else, and it's not trying to sell to nostalgia. It definitely is trying to be like an introductionary Pokemon 
game, which is so weird because Pokemon's always been introductory. It's never been a hardcore children can't climb over. Well, the thing is, like, look at the name. It's it's like a regular name. Um, yeah, well, not not a regular name. But they're not using like gold, silver. They're not using any of those things, which is just spin off. You know, I guess. Yeah, it, to people who don't know, you know, they're seeing all these like. Yeah, they don't know what that is. You know, they don't know what, why they're using all those. Yeah, yeah. So people like us don't know how to take it. And they're saying, "Let's go." That's kind of like the most. So is it a portable basic. game? Like, are you supposed to <laughs> carry it around? You're, you're supposed to. Uh, yeah, so we don't guess, think so. But yeah, it was all weird. But yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'll finish it, and I will actually. I've never ever completed a Pokedex before. I've come very close, but I feel like this with this game, it shouldn't be that hard. So I'm kind of I'm kind of inspired to actually do it. Dun, 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 dun. Well, after 15 hours, if you're halfway done, then you you only got 15 more to go or something. That's fine with me, but I get the fulfillment of being a Pokemon Master. Okay, is a Pokemon Master. This begs it, I think, a core question fundamental to all Pokemon things that may never be answered. And that is, what is truly a Pokemon Master? One who catches all the Pokemon, or one who trains up a specific team of Pokemon to be really good? I don't know. I think it's both. Both is a Pokemon Master. To be a Pokemon Master, master, one must be proficient in all the Pokey things. One must uh, uh, focus one's Pokey key, let go of one's Pokey material possessions, and just focus on what is the Pokey truth. Pokey truth. Okay. The the Pokey word of of the way is a a, a mental state of of peace and and harmony, I guess, that, that you can't achieve any other way by just collecting or achieving the team. It has to be everything. Poor Ash will never find Mm-mm, it. No. Dr. Oak on the he other hand. will always be in this Pro- endless Professor loop. Oak. And, endless, endless. And loop. Dr. Cedar or whoever it works. They, they're they the real Pokemon masters all along. We've just been having the wrong priorities. We're, we're all about fighting and, and violence. They just want to study. And, and not going to school. Yeah, either. we just... Want to run around young in the kids dirt? Are just not going to school. They're just they're going out to be Pokemon rolling masters. around in the grass, hoping that something will grab them. They want they want to be touched. They want to be felt. They they yeah. Wait. I don't I don't know. Don't know don't if like I want to go down. They want to be the best. Um, <laughs> so okay, we went deep thought in, into Pokemon. Uh, okay. uh, mm-hmm. Well, besides Pokemon. Um, Besides playing games other people make, uh, Liam had had the, the unique and special opportunity of, of releasing a game that he made. Oh, yeah. I did do how, that. How, how was that? Like how how did mind. it feel to uh, create? Yeah. Um, I felt sick most of the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, actually, I do want to say like a huge thank you to a lot of the dad and sons out there who, thanks to this show was interested in playing something I made, which was lovely. And a lot of people reached out and they downloaded it and, uh, you know, donated towards it. And also there was a lot of dad and sons out there who made videos of themselves playing uh, my game, which is a game called Flitspire. Uh, 
it's kind of, it's a demo for a game I want to make a full version of, but making games is really hard. Um, I released it last weekend. It's a tower climbing action platformer. Although I hate the word climbing because most of the time you spend a lot of the time flying, not climbing. But tower flying doesn't sound as cool. <laughs> is tower falling? <laughs> yeah, definitely not as cool as towerfall. That's for sure. But uh, yeah, no, it's a game that someone described as Downwell cross Castlevania cross Flappy Bird. <laughs> Flappy Bird. Which I oh. found incredibly apt. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. It's like an inverse Downwell sense. with a castle Castlevania aesthetic with like a flying motion that's kind of like Flappy Bird. You tap a button to fly. Um, but yeah, no, it went live on itch on Saturday um, and I was nervous as hell because I've spent months working on this thing I spent a lot of time in the past two weeks almost to the point of no sleep tweaking it, sending it to people who I'm very fortunate to have play it people like Kyan who made I Want to Be the Guy which is a great guy to have test your difficult challenging <laughs> game considering he made one of the hardest games out there um, and a few other people and uh, yeah, released it put a trailer out for it received really well and uh it reached i think last time i checked it was number six of the most popular games on itch.io which is incredible because there's like 150,000 games on there and you did the pixel art yeah i i did it apart from music and the the fancy key art you see in the promotional stuff yeah i did everything everything in that game programming art design uh layout animations yeah, everything. I saw the monkey. The mon- the monkey was cool. Yeah. The 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 boss it's, at the end. Yeah. Liam, you 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 killed that pixel art, man. Thank <laughs> you. That's that's really good. For I appreciate your it. First try? <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty yeah. I spent I spent like maybe two weeks or three weeks like study I don't want to say studying pixel art because it's not something you really study, but like reading about different pixel art techniques and trying to find one that suited me. And I, I basically, like, pixel art is, there's probably people who are listening to this who know a lot more about pixel art than I do. But, like, sticking with rules is what makes pixel art so consistent. When you see people who have very similar styles, like, you know, Shovel Knight is very particular because Shovel Knight sticks to the NES limited palette. Even though it's not, like, the best sprite work in the world, the reason, like, Shovel Knight sticks out is because of the rules it sticks to. Uh, and mm. then there's a lot of like consistency with it and consistency with pixel art is what makes it so good so like the one rule i stick with was that everything i made in the game was made of six by six pixel blocks so you know when you see the th- big thick like outlines of everything it's made of six by six pixel blocks so I tried to stick with that style as much as I could but that made animating really hard so i hated animating so much for this game <laughs> But I'm glad to see that people liked it. Um, yeah. If you want to yeah. play it, go to uh, liamedwards.itch.io forward slash flitspire. F-L-I-T-S-P-I-R-E. Too much. Too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Too much. You got <laughs> Flitspire. Just say Flitspire. Flitspire. Yeah, you can Google it. Yeah. I mean, there is no yeah, other yeah, game in the world called Flitspire. You might come across a fitness program called Fitspire. <laughs> <laughs> Which I really should have Googled prior. 
Uh, but God. no, it's called Flitspire. Flit meaning to move really fast and erratically, and spire meaning tower because I'm that simple. Flitspire. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's been crazy. Like, with, I've never made a game as personal as this. You know, I had, I enjoyed making Suzuki Sam, but it was like a learning experience for me, and uh, it 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 could have turned out better, but it. It was fine, but I learned so much with this game, and I spent a long time making this, and I, re I really put as much as I possibly can into a project of my own with the limitations I have as uh, an artist and a programmer and a designer. Um, but to see people play, like, I spent all weekend watching people either stream it, shout out to people who streamed it, there were a couple of people who did that, and then people who made videos, one guy, Andreas, who filmed himself with a GoPro on his <laughs> VR. I don't know if he was using an Oculus or a HTC Vive or whatever, but he had a virtual desktop set up inside of his VR, and the virtual desktop was running Flitspire in his virtual headset space with the op opacity like kind of low, so you could sort of semi-see semi through the game into this VR space. And he filmed himself doing all of this, and that was super weird to watch him play like Flitspire on what was meant to be like a 250-inch TV inside his VR headset. Whoa! Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And a lot of people just basically sending me feedback and stuff. Uh, the only negative feedback I got basically on this game was that it was challenging, but that's what I was going for. So I guess that's mission success. <laughs> Yeah, mm, okay. I, it's it. It was, it was really nice. So because yeah. I just want to make games yeah. and to have that yeah, kind I of validated. I don't like the the sword, the, the sword. Mm -mm. Yeah, it's weird because some people like the short sword, and I was like talking to them while they were streaming it, and I was like, I hate the short sword, and they're like, No, the short sword's better than the crossbow, and I was like, Are you mad? Are you fucking mad? Wow. Yeah. And then some people are like, oh, the longsword is OP. And, and then other people are like, the longsword sucks. The hand cannon's OP. And other people are like, the hand cannon is not great because you have to reload it. And I was like, well, I guess all the weapons are working as intended. I'm, I'm the hand cannon guy. I really liked that. I'm the longsword guy. I, I like definitely hand cannon. So what's what's uh, some of the, the more memorable aspects of reception been like? Did you get any any, any comments that stick out? Um, before, before I released the game, I had a few people who I looked up to as game designers play it, which was a nerve wracking experience. In fact, actually for everyone out there, the first two people that ever play it were Matt and George. A couple of yeah, months ago, the, the boys were there. And if you play the game, you might find, uh, that the <laughs> yeah. pictures, on the wall of the tower, I used like placeholder images of my my closest friends. So you might see some uh, some pictures of uh, George and Matt up in the tower. Um, in fact, actually, uh, like there were three videos where people were flying around looking for Matt, and they were like, "Oh, there's Matt!" Like, yeah, looking for the picture of you in the tower. <laughs> Even though it's random, whatever pitch is chosen. So <laughs> I don't know why oh, they spent so long. Oh, is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. So it, there's like a bank of all the pictures that are pixelated and then it cycles through them depending on whatever run it is. And yeah. Um, I had a few, a few people play it beforehand and they were like, 
this is like really good. Like you have a lot of core core design loops in here that are really good. Like the random gacha system and the the fly meter design where you fly and when you run out of meter you have to land and then you can immediately fly again. You don't have to wait for the meter to refresh. It immediately is filled and then you can fly. So <clears throat> having comments from them was like incredibly moving. Um, but then to have people make videos about it was really weird. Super weird. Wow. Just watching people play it. For, for one, watching people play it on their own computers and it work was like Phew. massive relief. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Because I, I only tested this game on my PC and had like feedback from maybe two or three other people and George had a bug. So I didn't have too much faith that it was going to work across most PCs. But apart from that V-Sync issue with you, George, where the frame rate would like spike depending on your refresh rate, no, nobody, nobody had too many issues, thankfully. There's like some problems sometimes with collision, but yeah, no, uh, basically having people watch it was crazy. You didn't, you didn't release a Fallout 76, basically. No, I feel like I released something that was a little less buggy. My game was not the buggiest game that came out last week. It seems. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to self-congratulate too much. But seriously, everyone, thank you. If you downloaded it, if you retweeted my tweet about it or anything, because I released it in the first hour, like two people retweeted it, and I felt so bad. I've never <laughs> felt so upset <laughs> in my life. <laughs> I was like trying to time it so it was like it was like good time Japan it was like lunchtime UK it was like morning America I was like trying to nail down when to like make it go live and for like that first hour nothing happened like literally nothing and I was like well that's it it's over good job guys let's go home let's pack up um but no it picked up traction and a lot of people retweeted it and then I think the trailer had over like 10,000 views on Twitter, which for me is huge. Um, Holy wow. crap. Yeah. And yeah, and then like the itch stuff started happening. Like it climbed up the itch rankings. So, and that's only because people downloaded it and people uh, shared it. So it got a lot of impressions on itch. I think it, like after the weekend, it had like 50,000 like impressions on itch, which is huge for a game on itch. And yeah. Uh, seriously, if you are listening and you played it, even if you didn't enjoy it, just thank you so much for playing it because I really like making games and this was a lot of work and I don't think I've ever put more of my heart into anything I've ever made before. Um, I almost feel like a kid talking about them because it's like showing your artwork to your parents that you make at school and you go home and you're like... I made some art today, mom. And then you, you like hand it to her and she like looks over it and you're like, <gasps> and you see her face expression. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. And you're like, and her face is like contouring a little bit and she's like, mm, good job, honey. And puts it on the fridge. <laughs> pats you on the head. And pats you on the head. And then you're like, ah, I did a good job today. <laughs> Even though your mom's like, ah, he tried his best. <laughs> Yeah, no, seriously, thank you so much. And thank you to George and Matt, who not only tested the game, but also were 
excellent support throughout me making it and talking about changes to it and stuff like that. So I really appreciate it. I don't want to cry. I'm going to fucking cry on this episode. But yeah, this game, this you, like Liam. making this making this demo made it, meant a lot to me. And um, the, to see it, you know, do well in terms of what they call social currency, where it, it reached a lot of people and to watch people play it and, and comment on it was like a, an experience I've never really had before. Even when I used to watch reviews of GTA, it felt so disconnected because so many people worked on it. But literally every comment, apart from about music, was a comment on something I'd made a decision on. Which I imagine, George, you sort of understand, and Matt as well. Like, when you make videos and people comment on, like, maybe, like, the way you'd uh, written a piece or the way you'd edited mm -hmm. something or, or, or the way you researched something, like, the way, like, if someone comments individually, like on that bit, you're like, "Oh shit, yeah, that was on me." Yeah, as uh, it was, it's very much as like that. the creator. You know all the shortcuts you took. You know all the weak points. Mm -hmm. I uh, yeah, I, yeah, I also absolutely. really feel the, uh, the 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 physical illness that you're describing, mm -hmm. in in, mm, in the yeah. anticipation of of releasing something big. Yeah, it makes you want to vomit. Have like, vomit I vomited on the day launching the Patreon. Like, like, it it happens. It's a real thing. I get that. Yeah. And you just feel so... I, I don't know how about you guys, but I get imposter syndrome about this yeah. a lot. Yeah. Massive. Like, I, I know yeah. I talk about game design and stuff on here all the time, but when it comes to, like, thinking I am one, it's not there for me. I I feel I feel massively like an imposter. I I am not uh Toby Fox, I am not Justin Marr, I am not Matt Thorson, the like not even in the same league. To me, even if I made a game that was successful as those games, it still just is like not something I can deal with very well. Um Yeah, it's weird. Being a creator of things is is weird. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I get, it's like me getting called a YouTuber. And I'm like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm a YouTuber. Uh, I make videos, but like. I'm a video I creator. Know if I'm a YouTuber. So I, I get that in a way. Mm. Even though like, making a game is way, way more difficult than make, making a video. At least I think so. I think so, it's anyway. like, I, yeah. And it's also like if you care about it, like that's how you can sort of tell that someone really cares about it. Because you know that they put so much effort into it that to have people validate it feels like, I don't know, it's a sense of relief, but also a sense of like, I care about this too much. I don't want to believe them because I don't want it to all t be taken away from me. And I think like if I keep on pretending I'm an imposter, maybe I'll not get it attached. So when it all comes <laughs> crumbling down... <laughs> <laughs> I won't feel so bad in the future. Wow, we 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 went oh we went to a place on this podcast. We went to a place. And yeah. a I, I, I don't know if people are going to be interested in hearing all this. Yeah, yeah. just now looked at the clock. We're at we're like an hour eight minutes. <laughs> might want to trim some of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think it might also be a, a good time for a, a nice relaxing uh, snack break. Yeah. Just, yeah, if you if you want to play the game, yeah, just go to Liam Edwards 
itch.io forward slash playitspire. Uh, link in the yeah. description. Play it. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. Look who's back. And this time, the two of you are partners in the latest installment of the Pokemon Saga. It's Pokemon Yellow, the special Pikachu edition for Game Boy. Where it's you and Pikachu catching as many as you can together. Pokemon Yellow, gotta catch them. Hello! 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 And welcome to That and Sons. I hope you had a, a, a great break. You, you whizzed a little bit. You know, maybe did maybe did a little drop the deuce. Gross. Maybe while you were dropping a deuce, you you typed in ridgewallets.com forward slash d a s. Liam is a slut, <laughs> a sponsor slut. <laughs> and you got ten percent off your new sexy aluminium wallet. I'm a little bit confused, you guys. But George, I know Ooh. who won't be getting 10% off their E3 membership discount this year. Sony. Oh my god. So wow. you're talking about how they're just not doing it this year. Yeah, they're getting like 0% off because they're just not Sony, even turning up. Sony's not doing E3 this year. Um, Is this? Next year. Is this on... Pre- well, uh, yeah, E3 2019. <laughs> um, you know, uh, four to six months from now, depending on when... When they determine to do it, uh, is this unprecedented? Has E3 backed out of that E3? Has Sony backed out of an E3 since like no. Turn of the Millennium? I don't think so. Damn. Okay. Well, it's like really the end of an era, then, huh? I, this I is... haven't this... seen a lot of speculation um, um, pointing out the fact that E3 seems to be coming less important and that this might be the big first sign. Well, I guess the second after opening it up to the public, <laughs> which is a weird way Cut of to, phrasing the problem. Cut to E3 2019, which is just an EA press conference. Bethesda talking about the next update for Fallout 76. <laughs> <laughs> And mm-hmm. Xbox talking about which games have been announced for the Game Pass. <laughs> and then the show ends. Oh, I want to hear the crowd. Wow. The the crowds are going to be just as canned as usual. I guess that leaves E3. Oh my god, I keep saying E3 in the name of, like, EA. That leaves EA, Bethesda, and a micro- Microsoft show. Because Nintendo's going to be doing their Nintendo Direct. Um... And EA technically hosts their show in, in Hollywood instead of uh, the, the venue uh, of E3, which is a few minutes' drive away. Well, this, this is the thing, right? The conferences have always been not part of E3. They are conferences that happen in the area during the week of E3. You know? They've never actually been part of the show itself. They've always been like a... This is what we are announcing, and some of this will be at E3 this week, coincidentally. That's why Nintendo Directs have still always felt like they're a part of E3. So this is the thing I'm kind of weirdly, like, does this signal the death march of E3? Because the same amount of people are still going to go to the E3 show. 
if not more since they've opened it up like e3 has mass market popularity now it didn't before but at the same time it has less i guess uh gains on returns for the big corporations who make e3 happen than it did before but this means sony have got to be thinking of something right they didn't do paris games week there's no sony playstation experience this year like they've got to be thinking of doing something big I suspect that they have uh, kind of blown their load on big PS4 releases for the year at this point, and they want to, I guess, bide some time for for the next lineup. Because this year, as we've been saying, like over and over again throughout this year, has been a like astounding year for for Sony. Yeah, but we're talking about May June of 2019. Mm-hmm. We By still then, have like games RE2 like will be out. Well, uh, The Last of Us Two. Last of and... Us Part Two. There's and, uh, Tsushima, Ghost of Tsushima, is that out before then? Tsushima, let me check the date on that. But I I half expect that's the reason why, is that a lot of this stuff has already been shown and released. I don't think we have a solid release date on Ghost of is Tsushima yet. Is this, like, yet. good news for Microsoft, though? Like, did Microsoft just get to, like, swing their dick around now? I don't know, like, man. Huh? They're, they're deep in the hole right now. They're really deep in the hole. Am I Xbox. wrong by saying that? People I mean, like someone correct their... me if I'm wrong. No, X-Bones are trailing behind the other two consoles yeah. this gen. But their Game Pass subscription is up, though. Which it's is a, a good like, deal. It's a huge they... win for them because they have put like a, <laughs> they have pumped a lot of shit into that. <laughs> yeah, because they got to catch up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I mean, is this kind of thing fact, free I... publicity, though? This is what I don't understand. Like, Is this However... like giving free publicity to Microsoft if they have... The only stage show? Like, a lot I'm of people starting, really enjoyed that stage show last year. I'm starting to wonder if we're entering a scary new era where publicity is no longer as good a thing as it used to be. Because one could theorize, one could argue, that a lot of the trouble Xbone is having selling consoles this generation comes from a bad E3. When they announced that yeah. it was going to be like this online-only console yeah. where you couldn't share games, there was so much negative publicity over that. And the console has had a a relatively weak time trying to get a foothold in this ever since then yeah and the playstation had an amazing one off the back of sony's terrible one uh, after microsoft's terrible one that the playstation 4 was like super popular on arrival and then this year when sony had their e3 show um earlier this year they they were shuffling people like in and out of tents to to church they couldn't get like the videos to play on time and the games were still great the games still sold fine broke record numbers i think they're realizing they don't need to spend that much money on 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 trade shows when the marketing that sells games is really just commercials and, well, more so word of mouth number one than commercials number two. And it's not like the E3 show is going to change the quality of the games or the quality of those marketing efforts. It's supposed to be for investors and insiders that turned into an event for the fans, that turned into an event for the general public, that is now kind of sort of existing in this weird place where where people feel E3 is like a necessary fundamental part of the fun of video gaming when E3 has... At least in my mind, I've never really seen the necessity for it. And and I feel like this is this is further further driving a nail in that coffin. And that the world's gonna be fine without I would argue since I would argue since the Nintendo Directs started, 
No one's yes. really been able to match up to Nintendo's like hype that they generate. Which is a weirdly prescient prediction from Nintendo. With regards to like things that are going to become important on the internet, Nintendo's done such a bad job of predicting, but they were bang on when they were like, okay, guys, no more E3 show. We're just going to do videos for the internet because do you know, that does do you know the who, same exact thing anyway. Do you know who did videos, b video conferences before Nintendo did Nintendo Directs? Who? Konami. Really? Yeah, Konami used to have mm. a stage show. And then, I think it was 2009, they decided we were going to have a video press conference instead. Well, I guess that kind of, like, colors a very, very dark attitude <laughs> to all these <laughs> predictions then. Yeah. And then I think a year later, Nintendo started doing Nintendo Directs. I think, like, as soon as, like, um, the... Konami 99 nights, 1 million nights, like the Tech Fuji conference, even though Tech Fuji mm -hmm. is a dude. Um, yeah, I don't think they were very well received after that. Yeah, the uh, the, the wrestling one where, where they had a couple luchadors come on stage and just, just, just slap each other's boobs was... It was an infamous meme moment as well. That's what happens. Maybe these companies just don't want to turn into memes. I mean, the directs have spawned some great memes. But it's like, purposeful. Like, it's intentional. Yeah. Like, it's dad humor. Reggie fils is, like, like the master of that stuff. And it's not an unintentional create, with him. They create, like, a cult of personality as well. If you think, like, how many more people were upset when Awada-san passed away because he was this personality in the Nintendo Directs that people have got really fond of and really used to. Yeah, turning turning company executives into uh, beloved celebrities and martyrs is probably something they really like as well. And, and having a controlled environment can probably control the effects of that message to a greater extent than an unpredictable well, stage Sony show, have... as seen with Blizzard a couple weeks ago. Yeah, which ago. is weird, because Sony have tried to do it with Shuhei Yoshida quite a bit. To, to varying degrees of success, but stage shows are... Are they ever good? I'm, I'm trying to think of an E3 stage show. I can get, like, the fun, kitschy funniness behind it, but never, like, a sense of quality. Like, that video I made in 2015 of just how... How many goofs and, and bad rehearsals and mismanagement you can see going on still seems to apply? I'm interested, like, Matt... What yeah. what do you think of, like, all of this? Obviously, like, me as part of working in the industry prior and, like, George having to sort of do it for YouTube and that kind of thing. Like, as someone who is, like, a video game, you know, it's part of, like, what you do every week in terms of, like, talking about on Dad and Sons and stuff like that and you wanting to be, you know, enjoy new video games and stuff like that. How do you generally just, like, get hyped for video games? Where does it come from? Because... Do you look forward to E3 and that kind of thing anymore? Mm, no, I enjoy watching it because, like, seeing seeing like the Twitch comments and stuff like that, and and seeing what's like newly released, um, it's it's cool to see. But I I don't like if I miss it, I'm not gonna be upset. Yeah, you know, I I will watch the trailers later. Somebody will tell me about like a cool game that was shown, and I'll watch yeah. the trailer for that. You know, and then I'll watch the supercut of like all the cringy moments because that's just fun. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, like that's the way I digest E3. I don't like after like before when I was young, I was just like super into it. Like now I don't know. It's you're showing you're showing games and they're sometimes commercials. it's going to be yeah, and yeah, you sometimes can't tell the games are going to be trash and usually usually uh the commercials are not uh, a representation of the actual game. And I've, I just don't, I, I, you know, I just, okay. I've noticed it was a that CG trailer. Though, okay. For me, <laughs> it's, it's really been feeling like for the past decade, the, the big days for game hype has shifted from reveal trailers to no, no, I was about to say that the, the big day of hype where everyone on the internet's talking about the thing seems to be more day one release. But I don't know if that's true either. Like Battlefield Five is about to come out, and I see less people talking about it than when. Wait, that they were... is out, isn't it? I think it it either is just about or just now has come out, um, with reviews going to press. Uh, uh, I, I think what I'm trying to say is it seems like there's um, a lot for. I, I would like there to be more hype and discussion on launch days than on announcement days. <laughs> yeah. And and for me, like, when I personally, in my bubble, in my world, I'm now realizing that this might be wrong, but I, I see more discussion in my circle on launch days than on reveal days. But now I'm thinking back and, like, Battlefield Five's about to come out on uh, November 20th. Oh, that's today! Wah! Battlefield <laughs> Five is out today, and I... I I didn't see like a review thread up on Reddit before the podcast. I didn't see launch trailers there, like there, like there getting tossed around. I think there is a review thread though. It's like Fallout, you know, it's like Fallout 76. Like that didn't have a review thread until yesterday, but cuz they didn't be- send early copies. Because everyone played it before. Yeah, the beta. It was it was already getting negative press. You, guys, I'm going to let you guess. I'm going to mm. let you guess. What do you think the Metacritic score for Fallout 76 is right now? 76. Nice guess. We joked about that last week. Yeah. Was it wasn't a joke. It was the real thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was that, um, yeah, it was that I, website. I, I'm going to go low. Like, really yeah, low. Go I, on, like, uh, let's, go, let's go 67. That's generous. I, th- I like how me and Matt are like, well, I, I also So this will give you low. a clue. This will give you yeah. a clue. Eurogamer obviously don't score anything anymore. They gave it a, a void. Hmm, now what number does that represent? <laughs> well, if you want to know. Zero. The, the PC version is sitting at a pretty 59. Ooh. The, Dang. The PS4 version sitting at a wholesome 46. That, that's, mm, a, that's a fail, worse. isn't it? That's, I don't know how the grading system yeah, works. But like, that's, I was going to say like low great. 70s, which is still yeah. low by like video game review game standard, scale standards. It, yeah, which means like a 46 is scathing. Yeah, when you hit the fives... Yeah, <laughs> you know that the game, there's some problems with it. <laughs> Jeez. So you that's know, the thing is to like, get like 70s. You know, like 70s is like, okay, like you might like this game. It might be a niche thing. You know, 60s, uh, most people probably won't like it. 50s, ooh, 
I don't know. <laughs> That's a sign know. something is very wrong. Wrong. Yeah, very wrong. Yeah. And I've seen like a lot of the bugs. Yeah. I watched like a 20 minute video on the bugs and I was just like, oh wow. And obviously they're just taking all the bugs and putting it to one video. Yeah. Obviously. Cherry, but, but a lot of the bugs were like really bad. Like Some of, something yeah, that would affect I watched, your gameplay. I watched a video of it too. I was like, oh my See, lord. Bethesda games, as infamously buggy as they are, can at least have fun bugs, like the giants in Skyrim no, that launch you yeah, into space. Yeah, but this is just like, this game is an online game that is a mess. Maybe during more peaceful times, there is a real discussion to be had about whether or not bugs and glitches can become fun, but not for a 56 on Metacritic. <laughs> no, but this is, I think, the thing about Fallout 76, and we're going down the Fallout 76 rabbit hole here. But Unfortunately, the thing with Fallout 76 yeah. is a lot of reviewers were saying that not a lot of them talked about the technical problems because I imagine it is like you take it with a pinch of salt that you're playing a Bethesda game that's online. It's not going to work very well. But people just say it's empty. There's just nothing in there. There's no interaction. You're listening to audible.com forward slash post-apocalyptic tapes. And that's it. (laughs) That's it. discount code? (laughs) Is Fallout 76 a podcast? And I, I think so. That's the story. Wait, time. yeah, it's a series of podcasts. Wait, how the why the fuck didn't we get that contract? Why didn't we get that joke? <laughs> I think I think the worst part about something like that, where I, it's that it's a copy and paste, and I saw a, like a video showing that, and like even like the end fight was a copy and paste from Skyrim. Yeah, that's really. <laughs> That's really bad. That's really bad. And they, you know, you see, he, he like clips in all the Todd um, conversations, like, "Oh, we're all everyone's working at." That's the on exact this video game. I watched. Yeah, yeah, I'm Todd. E three sales pitch. And the fact that you can't go back and listen to the audio tapes and pause them, um, when they get like canceled out by somebody else, like that's that's weird. That's, yeah, MGS five thought it would be great to have that problem too. Yeah, but that's like minute detail compared to like the over glaring. It's sad because but what's that's even the whole sadder point of the quest though. That's the yeah. whole point of the quest. It's true, but what's it? What's it's, even sadder is Bethesda will like have known less than a minute. It's like multiple minutes. Oh, that's sad. The problem, like, <laughs> yeah. what's even sadder is Bethesda will have known that this was like the limitations they had. This is the state that the game will have been in for months. This is a sad. A, a situation that, that posits a few interesting things. First up, question. Um, is there actually a better day for driving up hype and marketing pressure for a game than, than the review day? I guess there is, is the answer to that question. But nowadays, it seems like the most exciting days for me are like... Like, remember the day Undertale came out? No one knew what Undertale is, even the reviews. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of 10 out of 10 reviews pop up and from from places that, that from critics that it's have weird. Like, weird, stingy tastes like like Jim Sterling. And yeah, you're like, like, oh, I was just I gotta say, pay Jim, attention to this. I have Jim to has know contributed. what this product is. Jim has contributed to the cult status of, like, quite a few games. Like, he, he gave Deadly Premonition a 10 out of 10, and then all of a sudden... Everyone was playing Deadly Premonition, and he so, gave Undertale a ten out of ten. And then all of a sudden, everyone was playing Undertale. 
Surprise tins are probably a more honest and also better way to market a game than than trailers. But then again, you can't get those with a a quickly phoned in cheap ass Fallout spinoff designed to just keep people busy and funded until the next real project at Bethesda, which is also a good segue into a, another fun news story that has materialized this week. Um, and that is that during this first week of Fallout 76, some players are role-playing as NPCs to fill in a gap of the game's world-building. Uh, not a hmm. lot of, of documentation on this happening, but um, they they have videos circulating now by um, YouTuber. Many a true, new, true nerd is putting out some videos of... Um, of himself and other players kind of role-playing this this welcoming shtick where, where they help other people out give them uh items that they have have gathered over over the beta to catch themselves up with because the game does not have npcs and characters and so literally nobody can help anyone play the game unless no, you find no, no, people no, thinking to about do. it yeah <laughs> sorry sorry Liam. it's all right go ahead no, no, I'm thinking about it like the no NPCs and then the copy and pasting. They were super lazy with this game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow, Matt, what that a revelation makes so much you're having! Sense now, doesn't it? <laughs> I didn't even think about it until just now. Like, oh, that's why they don't have NPCs. It's not because it does they were make doing me think style. back. It's it does make lazy. me think back to like every documentary I've ever watched about Bethesda, where the biggest complaint Bethesda ever has. It's about audio recording. Like, they always complain mm. that their, pro- their hardest part of development with their games is always the fact that they have, like, hundreds of thousands of lines of dialogue. And, like, with and Oblivion, they enough, use the same, like, five actors. actors. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, but with Skyrim, Sometimes you know, slip in bad takes. There is a, a, a dark elf in Oblivion who is like, Oh, did you hear about the recent news story regarding a community robbery? Wait a second, let me try that one again. Oh, did you hear about the latest news story involving a robbery <laughs> yeah. nearby? Yeah, there's a I couple mean, of them, yeah. It's smart thinking, you can't have any bad takes if there's no takes. <laughs> I wish you could hear me tapping my forehead. Yeah. Holy crap. Everyone's got the gif in the head right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Can't fuck right. up, bad. You can't fuck up. Make any memes with arrows in the knee if you ain't got mm. any dialogue. <laughs> For a little while, some players who are trying to get into it, and some who have managed to get into it, are are filling that goal by or that hole by by role playing as characters who have voices. Uh, so that <laughs> what Herkin- the way? Yeah. <laughs> so bad okay. that there's actually people who had to role play as NPCs. Well, they, they don't have to. This is a, uh, a nebulous internet phenomenon of a community. That is quite cute. They're just like, well, there's no one to talk to. I'm going to role play as an NPC. And he just stands uh-huh. there all day for a whole session just talking to people come in. He's like oh, welcoming that's, people that's to funny. his little base where he's got extra, extra supplies. It is cute. Guys, and, did and, you see that video? Do you see uh, that video of the guy who was trying to, uh, to return? return the, yeah, <laughs> and he went nuts. And he, he just I like lost. Was, his I don't know shit. if it was Fallout. I think it was just 
like a joke. No, it was it was Fallout, I think. Like oh, was it Damn. straight up? He he wanted like after all of the bad negative things, I think he wanted to change his pre-order, and he'd already put his cash down for no, it or no. something. No, I no, I think he bought it and he he oh yeah, it. Mate. he bought and it, he returned, returned it, and what happens at GameStop is if you rip open the plastic, that's it, it's yours. Oh, you have to get like the trade-in price for it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, that's if you know if you sweet talk them because oh. usually you just can't return them at all. Oh shit! Yeah, oh, I don't know man. if they changed their policy, but yeah, you can't return them. Yeah. So he de- he destroyed that store. And and all right, if for people who haven't watched the video, like he he destroyed the store. Like he, he took did- the displays and broke like shoved them on the floor like everywhere he fucking it, destroyed it's not an easy everything. like oh i'm gonna pick up the the stuff from the floor and it's gonna be done no he destroyed multiple displays <laughs> before he left it was bad bad wow. what a douchebag yeah that's come on yeah. Yeah, yeah, why no. do you get that angry like yeah i can understand like sometimes stories they there's some ridiculous stuff that happened that's not quite ridiculous but some ridiculous it was happen, like, but you never get to that point where you have to, like, these people are doing their jobs. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what are you like doing? A, <laughs> He's not a attacking visual you. It's a company. That's his rules. That He can't it a, do it. <laughs> it was a great visual metaphor for angry gamers on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. But but this this happened in, in real life. Yeah. Well, in that's someone's I mean. place of Sometimes business. Sometimes it does. Yeah. The guy didn't care. Sometimes it does. Wow. Uh, that's weird because I was going to try to transition us from people acting uncharacteristically friendly on the internet in, in Fallout to people trying to act uncharacteristically friendly on the internet in Battlefield. And I guess in both cases it goes about as well as you'd expect. Uh, so the same week people... A very, very small amount of some people sent around the YouTube channel were pretending to be NPCs to help people get into Fallout. Uh, there was a informal ceasefire truce event held in Battlefield 1. They do this. The community for Verdun does this every now and then, too. Well, they'll just, like, choose not to fight on the uh, uh, anniversaries of the Armistice Day or or the Christmas truce in actual World War One history. And I think this year's was the 100-year anniversary. Yeah, 2018. So yes. um, there was about, I don't know if I could find an easy figure on how long the ceasefire in the game lasted over across how many servers, but there's a hilarious video of people just running around for about one minute, spamming the crouch button and the prone button and begging each other not to actually play the game and kill each other. But well, <laughs> well, there's a sudden hard cut and then a plane just dives down into the crowd and starts <laughs> shooting everyone. And then the, the camera point, the player we're watching it from, all of a sudden gets stabbed in the back. And there's this fun little thread on Reddit where the guy who stabbed the cameraman in the back was like, oh, sorry, I, I just uh, didn't know what was going on and didn't want my team to keep dying. I thought the truth... Like, no one knew what was going on and how the rules were going to work. And, oh, uh, that's... That's pretty much it. Battlefield 1 attempted to get its community to have a uh, historical Armistice Day in reference of the real Armistice Day. And and the, the video footage of their attempt is, is pretty great. Pretty great. Yeah. 
So Man. people are shit. <laughs> Video games. Uh, uh, people have turned E3 stage shows that, that get people hyped into video games into E3 into incredibly rehearsed, dishonest marketing campaigns that don't get people hyped for video games. Uh, uh, people have, have turned disappointment over, over their video games into, um, um, property destruction over video game stores. People have, have turned, uh, uh fun fun video game community events into community events that have a hard time making themselves happen and, and work and be organized but to be fair that that fallout news is is rather cute i'm, I'm happy cute. there are people out there doing that kind of shit and i guess it all depends on however long they can they can get hooked by that that, that role-playing i mean it's a role-playing game right whoa <laughs> Why are you in jail, man? I destroyed yeah. a GameStop. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, dude, that's so bullshit. He's like, it was over Fallout 76. Whoa, say no more, dude. Say no more. <laughs> I heard I heard that got a 46 on Metacritic. Say no more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. During my, my computer time in jail, <laughs> I looked up <laughs> Fallout 76. That's uh, of anything like, else. <laughs> you, you'd like sit down... You get processed into jail. You get like strip searched. You get paperwork, and you get your clothes. You, and you, you have sit to bend down. over and cough. Remember that. I, I the, will yeah, always yeah, remember that. You get your that. physical exam. Yep. Always. You, you, you sit that. down in the cell, and and the other guy is just like, <laughs> yeah, game journalists, bullshit, right? If if there's if there's any reason to lose weight, is to lose weight so you can fit in an orange jumpsuit, because mm. they didn't have my size. Oh my god, that was Wait, so what? bad. Wait, well, I tuned out for a second, and then I was like, what is going on? <laughs> Do you want to tell this story? I don't no, know no, no, know. no, no. No, I, I, I've told this story before. No, now, you've been yeah. arrested? Yeah, I've been arrested before. Was it for stealing a PlayStation 4? <laughs> yeah, no. It was for driving while black. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke, guys. That's a joke. I should have known my rights. It was me. I really want to. I, I do really want to know why you got arrested, though. It, it, as I have been told, it, it was a classic example of, of driving while black in, in rural Georgia. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, South Georgia is not so nice, you know? You got you to gotta be careful around that part. Like, right before you get to Tallahassee. Fuck that bull. Oh, racism no. exists. Uh, do, we, do we have to take an anger break? All right, we're back with uh, some listener questions submitted by, by fans. If you would like to send us a question, send your email to dadandsonspodcast at gmail.com. That's D-A-D-A-N-D-S-O-N-S-P-O-D-A-S-T at gmail.com. Oh See, God. the thing no. is, I, I, no. there's like some words for abbreviation. I mean, it's dad and sons without the and sign. You got to specify. You got to yeah. specify that it's it's. there's more than one sons. But uh, don't forget, when you go to RidgeWallet.com, oh it's God. not RidgeWallet.com forward slash dad and sons. It's RidgeWallet.com forward slash D-A-S. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, just in case they didn't hear you the first time. <laughs> That, Matt, you want to move out oh your apartment, God. right? Shut up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, okay, okay. I got, I got Jason, Jason C. Gonna, gonna calm us all down and ask, Hey fellas, I'm wondering if you guys have any thoughts on the position of narrative fiction writers in game development, as in a dedicated writing room or writers as a part of the fundamental game development process. As an aspiring writer, I believe that video games hold some of the greatest potential to explore new ideas and concepts, but as far as I can tell, uh, studios don't usually have dedicated writing staff. Some AAA studios might, but a lot of what I see in smaller up-and-coming studios have game developers doubling as writing staff. Uh, do you guys I mean, believe video games should could benefit from a more dedicated writing staff? Do you believe there is slash should be a way for aspiring writers to spread into the industry without adopting game development skills? Yeah, that would be that would be cool. I, the thing is, the writers would have to kind of understand how video games work, though. Yeah, yeah, like you because it's not play. the same thing at all. I remember this no. conversation with Gear, uh, Guild Wars Two and how like writing was put in to the game um like having conversations was not the same as like writing a book yeah i read this is really interesting this comes up because today i was reading through a book called the theory of game design fun uh which is a really excellent game design book uh written by uh, raf kotsman maybe i forget his name but uh He's a writer by trade, uh, but he worked in the games industry for 20 years. Uh, and even he writes that video game stories should not exist because stories oh. are the wrapping around video games that is like a distraction for your brain. Because video game core elements don't change depending on the story of video games. So this is a fundamental problem within the industry, even for writers, because when you dedicate everything to being writing, you get games like David Cage's games. And there is no game. Or there is very little of the game because they don't merge Are you together. saying that there should be no story or... I think, yeah. I think because Undertale would be nothing without the story. Yeah, well, that's the thing. But then a lot of people would say Undertale doesn't have that much of a game to it. It would be yeah, a I, lot of people's arguments. And I don't care from, about it. the story. Is the reason why I played that game twice? Yeah, exactly. This is this yeah. is my point. This is why this question is so hard to answer because up and coming studios are going to be small indie studios that have very limited staff. If you're hiring someone mm -hmm. to be a writer whose specific job is to be a writer, well, then you have to realize the kind of limitations you're going to have with the games that you want to make. You're not going to be able to make the hardcore fucking Super Meat Boy platformer you want to make when the writer is like, hey, we need to have a cutscene here. We need to be able to have environmental storytelling and, and to explain the relationship between Bandage Girl and, and, and Meat Boy and all, all the, it, like it's really hard this like i don't think anyone has ever got this right but but i i actually know some trivia in in this world as it's developed over the past decade that might be able to shed some light on how it's been working cuz cuz from since since the beginning in the early days like like this has always been regarded as a um fundamental problems with game development but back in like 2012 i was doing to get the channel going i like blitzed through a ton of writing and gdc game developer talks and that was a huge 
topic of discussion back then, around the time games like like Far Cry 3 and Spec Ops The Line were coming out that were marketing themselves as as like self-aware critic critiques of game tropes. They started to be written by dedicated full-time writer staff. The AAA game development budgets, one of the reasons why they've actually ballooned so much is mostly bad management and inflated marketing budgets, but also because full-time dedicated writers are more of a thing now, whereas they weren't before. And you can really tell when you go to those years, 2011 to 2013, I want to say, is where that dividing line starts to appear. If you go play, like, it, even really story-driven, story-dedicated games from before made by, like, Kojima Studios. I was playing Zone of the Enders 1, and there's a line, you can tell writers are separated from the rest of the staff and not held on for the whole project. They were either given... Um, Duties to do like world building, flavor text, and uh, scene scripting either before or at the end of the development process. In Zone of the Enders, there's a line where a robot says, we need a fully operational and functional enemy robot to hijack. And, and the character is like, I think I saw one of those earlier. You can tell the line doesn't specify where it is or what it's going to look like. And it turns out that what you need to find is this sparking wrecked robot that doesn't look at all like what the characters were describing. And uh, there's like this, that, that disconnect is something that seems to be happening a lot less that also seems to be, the lessening of that disconnect seems to be driving a lot of, of the appreciation you see for games that have managed it better since those years. It started to become more of a full-time thing and a topic discussed by a lot of writing and GDC talks. And that's when games like Last of Us and Bioshock Infinite started cropping up. Games that merged the processes of writing and world building and storytelling with the gameplay, with the, the mysteries the player's thinking through mechanically becoming part of the same story they're uncovering. That's been really cool to watch. I've seen that movement like stumble and tumble and also accomplish really great things. Writers like Rihanna Pratchett, I would say, is, is the big example. She did not get a full-time job as a full-time game writer until 2012. Before then, she was writing novels. People like that were doing contract work on games. Nowadays they're being hired full-time, but only by AAA games that can afford it. And so you do see that disconnect more often in indie games, unless that try to use their tokens to tell stories, and less often in AAA games that have like a pre-written story from beginning to end that hopefully had a writer involved with the team throughout that process who can correct their lines as the the, the designers and the artists need to change things for whatever weird technical reason that could be divorced from from a reason a writer needs to change their script. Yeah. Okay, phew. It, it really depends, ultimately, on the kind of game you're going to make. Yeah. Um, if you're Ubisoft and you need a shit ton of dialogue writers to flesh out your world, then you're going to hire a bunch of writers to do that. But if you're like a small indie studio who you're not Toby Fox, who's... It, pretty much just a genius at most things he does or maybe like the guys who wrote celeste who wrote a very personal story that they understood a lot of the themes for and they had some outside help from people like nick sutner and stuff like that it's difficult um i also, feel like oh, i, I want to clarify rihanna pratchett actually was starting work around like 2007 2008 but I was a few years off, but still, like like late two thousands is when when it starts to to become a little greener, at least in in the AAA world for for video game yeah. writing. When MGS four hit and video games became this giant spectacle that can have long ass cutscenes and fleshed out story, it happened. Anyways, uh, yeah, 
now now i know what the bingo game long pauses are and now i know <laughs> about three times had it about three times and george doesn't edit it out <laughs> bingo I, I look for the gaps i i make them better Anyways, uh, Crazy Jerry Mouse is a person's name who sent in a question. I've been thinking about the position video games will be in when talking about the importance and recognition in future arts appreciation classes specifically for music. My question to all of you is, which composers do you think will be studied and perhaps even be considered influential in the years to come? Well, we already know who they are. Koji Kondo. I was, <laughs> you Koji were Kondo. hearing me typing out my, my guesses. Uematsu. Yep. Perhaps Harry Gregson Williams is that his name? The in the email, the guy was specifying not to use movie composers like Harry Gregson Williams. He wrote name the dropped MGS himself. Theme. Like the iconic MGS. Well, actually, the there was a court settlement over whether or not not court settlement. They didn't try actually. Uh, there was some suspicion that DJ Tappy, um, who did the soundtrack for MGS1, plagiarized the theme for uh, Marty O'Donnell. That changed for MGS4 from that game onwards. They. <laughs> I'm glad. Happened? I'm glad he's. I'm glad he's doing it himself now. <laughs> <laughs> Marty O'Donnell. Ooh yeah, uh, Mar Marty O'Donnell's a good one. Um, who uh, got treated poorly by the industry, but contributed greatly to it regardless. Oh, uh, Grant Kirkhope. Uh, you think people will remember and Jake David, Kaufman? And David Wise. Yeah, Jake Kaufman too, perhaps. But definitely Grant Kirkhope. Um, David Wise. And yeah, I'd say Jake is one of the modern composers that people would know. But in terms of like textbooks teaching the kids, I cannot imagine There'd Koji be two. Kondo not yeah. showing up. Yeah, it would be too. If, would if be not game music, then music and in it'd general. Be, it'd be Uematsu. And in terms of, of getting like chip tunes going off the ground from day one, Koji Kondo's instrumental. Oh, and, and then um, in, Yoko, Yoko Shimomura would probably oh, what did, be. What, 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 what did he do? She do. She do. She did most of uh, the Street Fighter themes. She did Ken's theme and Giles' theme. Always appropriate. I'm also sure she did the Mega Man themes as well. So, and also she did some of the Final Fantasy themes. She did a lot, actually, Yoko Shimomura. It's um, probably going to be studied and, and interpreted and argued over how in the dark they were working with regards to what what the player's input would have on the music systems. And so, like, with, I think um, the the idea of Yoshi's music having an extra percussion layer in SNES, uh, Mario World, was Koji Kondo's feature. Like, like, he created a kind of musical engineering system where getting on top of and off Yoshi would add instruments. And in, uh, in Mario games especially, you see, like, some really, really brilliant subtleties to the player's, like, button prompts and moves um, um, hitting, like, an instrument into, into the, the soundscape of the game itself. Yeah, there are a few, but, I mean, it's basically gonna, always going to come down to Koji Kondo and Nobuimatsu. Last question. <laughs> Remium wants to ask, what game do you guys think it is crazy for that people didn't remember and, and critically acclaim it about? 
Uh, any, any anything that that we really loved that were confused didn't get more wider uh, recognition. Uh, is does Ori and the Blind Force match that? Uh, I would think so. It it got some re- rewards, but it's not definitely Ori and the Blind showing Force. up again. They they did a sequel that seems a little uh, downplayed in terms of the hype. Yeah, or they're, Ori and the Blind doing Force a sequel. and Soma. Ooh, that's a good I remember one. Soma. Yeah, I liked Soma quite a lot, quite a lot. I I don't usually like horror games, but that one that tickled me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liam, what you got? Can't think. I'm trying to think what is like. I I kind of want to say the WarioWare games in general. Like I love those games so much and i don't think they've ever reached the echelons of which they should have i feel like people enjoy them but they don't get the uh quite their because it is just a bunch of mini games they don't get quite the uh the critical acclaim that yeah, they get they for feel kind of genius in design they're awesome kind of spin off yeah by design. but they're genius <laughs> like the amount of art styles they incorporate See, the thing is the different gameplay mechanics and everything that those games incorporate like wario Wed diy you got to make your own games i've i've played wario throughout the years but i've never like seriously sat down with one and like been able to have enough of a long enough session to analyze the genius of its like game wario design. chronicles was it chronicles for the or for the wii that was amazing um, I'm going to toss out Pillars of Eternity. I think it's a little underappreciated for how well that game managed to, uh, uh, uh... There's a game that did virally well evoke. because of someone's video game review. Eh, eh, maybe. I, I, I'm a little disappointed with how well people don't kind of respect it for evoking a, a the kind of future for, for crowdfunding games people really wanted to see back in those days. Like, they... Met, they made a very ambitious game of a very unpopular niche genre at the time that hit a level of production values that was as good, if not better, than the stuff from the late 90s they were inspired by. They did it in about two and a half years. It came up right on time. It absolutely positively blew my expectations off. And it just kind of got like eights. It was How? talked about for a little while. They... They made a sequel that did kind of just eights. It was talked about for a little while. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I can get on board with that. I feel like you're, you're underselling it a little bit more than it got. I feel like Pillars was... A... Yeah, it yeah. definitely hit some yeah. high notes. I, definitely. I recognized, other than just your review, there was people talking about it at the time. just feels weird that when I was going through it, it felt like I was playing yeah. a revolution. We don't live in a B era of video games anymore. Nobody makes B titles. It's all AAA or it's all indie games. So it's weird to think of games that are underappreciated. Nothing really flies under the radar. And you're like, oh my God, you missed this? You need to play this kind of thing. Like Wolfenstein is like the yeah. only thing I really yeah. can think of that is like a B game. like a. Oh... In fact, Wolfenstein 3D, the original, might actually be a good answer to his question. Like, the first first-person shooter, as we know it today, is something that, like, the gamers know about, but normal people think it's Doom. That's true. Yeah. When they're true. pretty similar. 
I mean, not in the minutiae, but in terms of like, if you look at a screenshot of Wolfenstein and a screenshot of Doom, it's a, a raster drawn 2.53D sprite shooter with a mess of pixels as your gun on the bottom. A little face with a bloody nose. Alien Infestation on the DS. That was a great game. That Elite Beat Agents should be remembered as a nah, everyone played pinnacle that. fucking example of human engineering. Instead, it's a cult classic. But everyone knows that game, though. Yeah, at least everyone knows about it. Alien Infestation was a great, like, Contra-esque... Not Contra, but, like... It was just fucking good. It was made by WayForward. It was really good. You should play it. WayForward has not made that yeah, much no, of a, way forward. Like, bad Yeah, game but they thing. would be Speaking like... about going forward... <laughs> oh! Oh! I would love to go start my day at the gym because I didn't wake up early this morning. I would also I like tired. to go to bed. Are we, are we... Are we... Are we spent? I think we're spent. I think we're, we're out. We are... Oh, we are milked shoot. dry. Yeah, we still got one more... One more thing to tackle. Come on, guys, we need to speed this wait, up. Wait, but that—that's something separate. That's yeah. something separate from the end. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna—we're—we're—we're we're, we're gonna do that at the end of the show, which is after the end of the show that the listeners are gonna think was in the is middle. the end of the show. Okay, well, let's do the end of the show then. Ha!